from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. For not having any sports actually happening on the calendar, there's no baseball games. Because there's nothing yesterday being played. I mean, I think outside of maybe a couple of like MLS matches or something along those lines or some CONCACAF, whatever it is. Gold Cup. You weren't, oh, yeah, you weren't invested Cup. in the Gold Cup. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Did U.S. play? They did. They lost to Panama last night. What? Yeah. In the, What's happening? In the Gold Cup semifinals. Now I have hot takes. 5-4 we on PKs. Really? They lost on PKs. They scored an unbelievable goal. Look, we're not going to devolve into soccer talk, but they uh, – Scored an unbelievable goal late in uh, extra time with about 106 on the clock. Yeah. An unbelievable goal to tie it up at one and then lost in PKs. The game before in the in the quarterfinals, they actually won on PKs. Okay. So playing it, I think it's the U.S.'s B or C team, not 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 the yeah, superstars. Their actual, right. their actual, like, what do they say in soccer? First choice? Where's Adam Gold <laughs> to tell us? Because I know he'll correct me on this. Yeah, it's not their, their top choice, guys. I, I totally understand that, but. Okay, that's fine. Gold Cup. Semifinals. We got there. All right, there's a lot of things actually to get into, Brian Murphy. So let's do this. Let's hit it and quit it. UNC Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham is going to be the vice chair of the NCAA Selection Committee for men's basketball this upcoming season. Next year, 24-25, that season, he's going to be the chair of the selection committee. But the big talk with the NCAA tournament, Brian Murphy, is is there expansion? Are we going to expand from the field of 68? Well, I mean, not that long ago, it went from 64 to 68. Yeah, and, and this, this issue has come up before, right? The NCAA yeah. has said, we should look at expanding all of our postseason events. Mm-hmm. We should let more teams in. Uh as much as a third of all participants should be let in. That, that would be too much. That would be 115, 120 team tournament. Nope. You'd have to dupl- double it from 64, to say, to 128. No. No. I don't think anyone wants to no, do that. No, I don't want that. But but the ba- men's basketball committee has discussed, uh, they came out today and say, as part of their three-day meetings, they at least talked about expansion. They have no plans to expand at this time, but it was part of of their discussions at their recently concluded three-day meeting. I'd, I'm not sure anyone's truly in favor of it outside of some athletic directors, some conference commissioners who derive a great benefit from reaching the NCAA tournament. That sounds like the worst thing. It really does. Going to 128. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone's recommending no, going to 128. I, no. You know what? Because guess what you do? You devalue your regular season. In, in, I, yes. I know a lot of people are like, well... You're only expanding the tournament by one weekend. I right. get what you're well, it's saying. It's only one game. Well, yeah, like we have really one game. Yeah, you're expanding by one weekend or one game, I guess you could say. But I think if that many teams get into it, into the into the uh, NCAA tournament, you completely devalue your regular season. You it, you you really do. You really devalue your regular season. You'd go from the really the, the big dance to the really big dance. Yeah, I mean, I we'd be talking about under five hundred teams in the AC. I mean, one one set of teams that I would like to see get in are regular season conference champs. You win your regular season conference championship, but you somehow get upset in the conference tournament in these one bid leagues. Those are teams I'd like to see get in. 
But yeah. it, I, I don't. But I don't need to see the eleventh and twelfth place teams of the ACC getting in the tournament. No. Or, or the or the ninth place finisher in the Pac-12 getting in the ACC tournament. I mean, gosh, how many Big 12 schools got in last year? Hey, how hey, many Big 10 schools got in last year? You basically put in entire conferences at some point. Yeah. Uh, no, just keep it as it is. It's some. You know what? You don't have to change for the sake of change. Well, Sometimes ch- I feel like, oh, well, if we're not changing, we're doing things wrong. Like, no, if you're actually doing things right, then stick with it. Well, they'd be changing for the sake of money is what they'd well, be changing well, here's for. Well, here's also to keep in mind as well is that is CBS and Turner, are they willing to pay the money? Uh, that's are, a lo- are you willing to pay the money for all that? Because right now, okay, what games am I putting on? Right. You know, and also there's more opportunities because I know the, the networks like to see when the, the big name programs, the quote-unquote Blue Bloods, advance further in the tournament because ratings are generally higher. When that's the case, right? So you now you have like I don't want the opportunity for these teams to get knocked out more often. If that makes sense. I mean, if it went to, if it went to one twenty eight, that's you could play. You know, that's what sixty four more games. Play sixteen a day on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then start the tournament at sixty four, like you would, um, and and just have it run normal. You'd push it back a week. You'd run up into the Masters. I mean, I think there are a lot of logistical challenges as well you gotta find arenas there's travel there's a lot of there is a lot of money that goes into this too because now you have to travel those 128 teams right yeah but i think the larger point is that the the regular season which is already meaningless would become even more devalued exactly i i I don't like it it's not not for me the worst Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Something that was actually just announced by the ACC. So we saw a lot of football games and basketball games played on Bally Sports, which frustrated a lot of people who cut the cord because it's very hard to find Bally Sports unless you have Spectrum or you subscribe to the Bally Sports app. Well, now those games are going to be taken over by the CW. Oh, yeah, that's right, the CW. That's right, who had the Arrowverse, had Arrow, had the Flash, all that kind of stuff, Supergirl. The CW is going to be taking over those games. Here's why that's actually, I think, a good thing. The CW is available over the air. The CW is also on YouTube TV. The CW is also on Hulu. You can watch the games. Which is this is a good thing for us? Yeah, these are as those, fans, consumers. These are those old Bally's games, and there's not a ton of them. There's 13 football games, so one game a week that ESPN doesn't have room for, or they've sublicensed out through the old Raycom uh, part of the deal. Oh yes, and, old Jefferson Pilot. Right. So there are 13 football games over the course of a, of a season. You're talking maybe one, you know one game a week. There are 28 men's basketball games and nine women's basketball games as part of this deal. Sometimes it's hard to – I think NC State-Clemson was one of these games last year. Mm-hmm. That game uh, – there was one game last year I, I tried to find. I pay for the ACC Network. I pay for YouTube TV. Yeah. I pay for ESPN+. Plus. 
I could still not watch this this game, an mm-hmm. NC State basketball game, despite my best efforts to try to find it. I, I'm like, how much more money do I need to give the ACC? I'm already paying for the ACC network. I'm paying for ESPN+. Plus. I'm paying for YouTube, a bundling service, yeah. to watch these games, and I couldn't watch it. And so now, if you have over the air, you have YouTube, you have any of the, the networks that or the, the packages you talked about, you will be able to get these games. There should not be a single uh, ACC football or men's basketball game that you miss uh, because it's on it's on Bally's. This also kind of brings up the question of, for us as consumers, us as fans, if you're listening to the us right now, you watch sports probably, most likely. The big question I have moving forward for us as consumers and people who watch these things, how we watch these games is evolving, but also I feel like the networks that broadcast these games sometimes actually are making it harder for us to watch them. And I think this is actually hurting the casual fan. For example, if I'm a Carolina Hurricanes casual fan, I kind of want to get into the hype of the season because the playoffs are approaching. You know, like that's the, uh, the it's casual fans can kind of get into it at different points of the season, right? How do I go find it? How do I how do I actually find these games if it's limited on where it's broadcasted and limited in terms of its reach? How do you expect to grow your fan base? Like in leagues, this is something that leagues have to consider as well, is that if we want to grow our fan base, we have to reach as many people as possible. And sometimes with these RSNs, these regional sports networks, it actually limits the amount of people that can truly watch. Well, this is this is fascinating moving forward because these teams count on that revenue stream from these regional sports networks. They do. And for a long time, those those were widely available. Like, if you really cared, you could get a regional sports network. But with cord cutting and and the the many different platforms on which we watch sports now, yeah, there there is a lot more negotiating that has to go on. And, and a lot of times, they don't carry all of the regional sports networks. So, what's happening is Bally's and, and Sinclair and these regional sports networks are pulling out of markets. And now teams are going to have to decide. We're seeing this in baseball and basketball. We're likely to see it in hockey. Mm-hmm. Do we give up this huge pot of money, you know, $50 million a year, $100 million a year? It depends on what market you're in. How do we replace that money? Yeah. And do we take our games over the air? Do we put them on WREL? Do we put them on Fox 50 to get a lot of reach? A lot of people can watch those games, Mm -hmm. but we're not making a ton of money if that's how we do it. Like, we need the fees from the regional sports network that you the cable provide you know the cable customers pay to the regional sports network the regional sports network then pays a lot of those fees back to the team mm-hmm. it, that economic model is breaking down and i'm not oh, sure yeah. it's crumbling i'm not sure where the teams go for money are we going to start to see salary caps constrict get less are we going to see team revenue go down and thus salaries go down because of this issue well so for for example, the NHL is actually driven a lot by still by gate receipts. I know television money and all that's a big deal. The, the salary cap is projected to jump up next year for this uh, for the NHL. I think about four or five million bucks actually. So their national TV deals with ESPN and and Turner are big, but this is where, for example, like sports get sports betting, sports gambling, having a sports book, all that that's revenue generation for the for teams as well. Naming rights, all those kinds of things fall funnel into revenue generation. So, I don't know. My my big concern is that the casual audience is going to be it's a, it's going to be a disservice to casual fans. 
who want to join up and watch a game, but it's like, where do I find it? Yeah, when I grew up, you know, I grew up in New York, there were baseball games on the air, Yankee games, Mets games that I could watch. We didn't have cable, and yeah. I could just watch them. I, you cannot, if you're a Hurricanes fan, I've got a young son, he cannot just watch a Hurricanes game. Yeah. We've got to have ESPN. It's got to be lucky enough to have a game on ESPN or ESPN Plus, or we got to pay on for Bally somehow, yeah. or TNT. Well, to circle back to, to the CW and getting these ACC games. Yeah. Another reason this is interesting, and, and there'll be lots of cracks on, on Twitter because the Pac-12 has talked about going with CW for some of their games. Yeah. And there were lots of jokes about, look at what the Pac-12 has been reduced to, showing games on the same channel as as Supergirl or, or some of these other shows. They don't knock on These Supergirl. teen dramas that are on the CW. Um, this is not. This is a good thing for the ACC. It's This is not replacing, oh, man, we're not going to get games on ESPN or ABC. We're going to CW. No. These are the Bally's games, the games you couldn't see or you had a hard time finding that are suddenly going to be available to all. Will be interesting if CW, which also broadcasts the live golf tournaments, mm -hmm. does get into a deal with the Pac-12, and maybe there's another channel that's showing college football two or three games every every Saturday. You never know. It's a it's interesting time for us as fans to see how uh, to see how this all plays out. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Never lost. Uh, the SEC has given Greg Sankey, their commissioner, commissioner, an extension through 2028, around that time frame. Another opportunity for expansion for Sankey and the SEC. I know Oklahoma and Texas are coming into the conference starting next football season, next academic year, so in the fall of 2024. But do they actually really want to expand in terms of number of teams? Because that's more mouths to feed. I'm reading this extension as, don't forget, Greg Sankey played a large role in getting the playoff from 4 to 12. Yeah. Uh, he helped yep. create it, was one of the four conference commissioners or school presidents that really put their time and effort into cultivating this thing. I, I see this extension as getting through the start of the 12-team playoff. 12-team playoff starting next year. Mm -hmm. um, that will give it a chance to get its first big television contract by 2028 because ESPN has the rights the first couple years. I just feel like this to me I read it less about expansion because I think the SEC is good for now and more about letting Sankey the most powerful man in college sports right now sort of cement that legacy with the with the 12 team playoff which you know may have four SEC teams before before too long. Yeah. Well, yeah. At, at this rate it might as well. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. So ACC I guess former ACC star. I want to say ACC star quarterback, but he's in Notre Dame now. Sam Hartman actually spoke to ESPN earlier today about the upcoming seasons. Here's the thing. Notre Dame doesn't have immediate. I mean, doesn't have a, they're not part of the ACC media days. So for them to do a media day, they just, Hey, we're talking to the media today. <laughs> so Sam Hartman was actually on sports center was on ESPN. He talked about his decision to leave Wake Forest and go play at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, you know, a very prestigious, not just a university, but also in athletics and especially in football. You know, you've seen the movies, you understand growing up that Notre Dame is um, a special place in a lot of people's hearts that might not even have been to Notre Dame, might have been a um, relative or a grandfather or somebody um, has a connection to Notre Dame. And I think that was a, a big part of it. And then I think um, also what's part of it was just the opportunity to play football again. Um, I think last year was tough just based on the fact that I almost never played the game again. And the love for the game grew even more um, out of not having it. 
So a lot of people may not remember he had a medical condition earlier in the season that actually forced him to miss some time earlier in the year. And good for him to actually be able to come back and play this past season. The reason why this is important is because a lot of ACC schools are playing Notre Dame this season, especially ones here locally. Well, Hello, Notre, NC State. Yeah, Notre Dame's coming to the Triangle twice yeah. in September. They play NC State on September 9th. They play at Duke on September 30th. Mm-hmm. In between those two games, they play Central Michigan, uh, whatever. They also host Ohio State in what may be the most watched game of the year. Ohio State at Notre Dame, September yeah. 23rd. The next week, the very next week, Notre Dame will be here playing Duke in Durham. Notre Dame also is at Clemson this upcoming season as well. And also, Notre Dame hosts Wake Forest, so he's playing against his former program as well. So it's a, Notre Dame has a pretty pretty packed schedule, they, I, I would say. Again, State, Duke, Wake, Clemson, Ohio State. Obviously, they still have USC, Navy's in the mix, Pitt, Stanford. Uh, this, it's Notre Dame's they, – they have national title aspirations. And Sam Hartman might be that guy that takes them there. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. All right, next thing up here, uh, PNC Arena. We talked about this, you and I, Brian Murphy, uh, several times about PNC Arena in regards to why sports gambling was important to get passed, right, in the state of North Carolina because part of that with the Carolina Hurricanes and the legalization of sports betting, they can put a sports book in PNC Arena both inside PNC Arena and also within what is a half mile radius of PNC as well. So they can have two sports books in the vicinity of PNC or one one inside of it, I should say. So this also now means upgrades to PNC Arena, renovations inside to help fan experience. What is the latest one in regards to the PNC Arena upgrades? What should we expect in terms of a timeline? You've been following this closely for a long, long time. Yeah, we're, we're going to finally see some actual projects. Um, yeah. The, tomorrow, the uh, a, subco- a, a committee is meeting uh, of the Centennial Authority that's going to look at actual projects. Uh, my understanding is there will be 78 uh, of projects, um, enhancements, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to pick and choose which ones they do. And that decision's not going to come tomorrow. going to be probably a, a long time. We're talking probably two years until... The, the construction actually starts on this, but they're they're starting to get into the nitty gritty of like, okay, how much is it going to cost us to put bar a bar in the third deck in the corner where you can go to the bar and still see the game? Yeah. How much is it going to cost us to upgrade some stuff so we can get better concerts in here? Some back end stuff that fans will never see, but would allow PNC. And I'm throwing this out there. I'm not I'm not reporting anything, but to allow PNC to get Taylor Swift concert or to yeah. allow PNC to get U2. As opposed to you know those those acts going to Charlotte or or not even coming to North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, you know if you upgrade some of that back end stuff, is not big enough for Taylor Swift. Well, I get you, I get you, but if you upgrade some of that back end stuff, it does change the 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 artists that are willing to come to your place. Um, you're you're able to accommodate bigger shows. You're able to accommodate bigger acts. Um, there's gonna you know you know how much does it cost to blow out some walls and create a much more open concept on the concourse yeah to make it easier for fans to get around the, the committee the centennial authority is going to get a look at some of these projects tomorrow what they might cost as they start to put together a little bit of a wish list and, and then they got to match that up with the budget what, what kind of budget are they going to get to do these renovations and these repairs all right next up hey 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 uh, real quick, last night at the ESPYs, a uh, couple of big moments that stuck stuck out. Uh, Damar Hamlin giving the Pat Tillman 
award to the training staff of the Buffalo Bills, the medical team, for saving his life on the field. Uh, was a pretty touching moment. He got a standing ovation, and, and rightfully so did uh, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, for those who may not remember, he was the guy for the Buffalo Bills that just on a routine tackle just got hit at the wrong time uh, in the chest and went into cardiac arrest on the field, had to be resuscitated uh, in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, that happened late in the season. So that was a big, big moment that came out. But also another talking point that came out of that was LeBron James – who set the NBA scoring record uh, for all-time points, said, hey, I'm coming back. So there's some speculation about if he was retiring or, you know, all that kind of stuff. He said, oh, coming back. So he, he put that to rest. It's like, okay, there we go. So there's our LeBron obligation uh, for the month of July. It's been spoken. Now we don't have to talk about him again until August. Uh, We've hit our quota. I don't believe anyone associated with basketball, even the most casual of basketball fans, thought LeBron James was going to retire. No. I actually, I've actually stated that it would not surprise me in order for him to get his body truly healthy, just because, again, the amount of miles on his body. In order for him to get truly healthy, it would not surprise me if he didn't start the season right away in November, that he may have waited until December, maybe just before Christmas or at Christmas, to start the season. Again, just to make sure he's fully healthy. But now with the NBA Cup and the financial incentives that come with that, I don't know. Maybe he wants to compete in that. But we've seen LeBron compete and play consistently throughout his career. Uh, so props to him. So anyway. It's kind of disruptive, though. That team need like, you know, that team kind of needs LeBron James. Oh, of course they do. So, yeah, he's not, I don't know. They're not good enough without LeBron. No, they're definitely not. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Daddy's always happy. Uh, NFL running backs aren't happy uh, right now because they, they can't get paid. One of those uh, being Saquon Barkley, he has until the 15th, if I remember correctly, to get a contract deal done. So the end of the week, get a, a long-term contract deal done with the New York Giants, or he has to sign a uh, – or he has to play under his franchise tender if he decides to sign it. Now, here's something to keep in mind when it comes to the franchise tag, Brian Murphy. You don't have to sign it. You don't have to sign it and be there during training camp. You can just sit out all a training camp, sign it right after that last preseason game, and you know what? You still get all that guaranteed money for that one season. You can do that. That's your right as a as someone who's under the franchise tag. You never That's have to right. sign it. Or, or uh, look at like Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Bell. You could do that. But also, I say, <laughs> how'd that work out for Le'Veon right. Bell? It kind of didn't. But I don't know. Saquon Barkley. He was the engine that ran the ship up there and with the New York Giants. It wasn't Daniel Jones. I'm sorry. Yeah, but just, I mean, this is, we've seen this coming for a long time. And, and now it's really like playing out how under undervalued might not be the right word, just how unvalued running backs are in the, in the, in the NFL. Not only is it Saquon Barkley who can't come to deal, Davin Cook got, got re- released Still by, by the anybody. Vikings. Ezekiel Elliott released mm-hmm. by the Cowboys. I mean, you know, that's why the Bijan Robinson selection in, in so high in the, by the Falcons, I think number six overall, was so shocking. Running backs just don't get the big paydays. You can nope. find running backs. You can plug them in. The money is going to quarterbacks, wide receivers, corners, uh, you know, pass rushers. That's who gets paid in the NFL, and running backs just don't. 
Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food, we're doing some giveaways, we have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at thedesignery.com. I know you you pointed it out to me. I heard it earlier today as well. Bijan Robinson, the first-round pick out of Texas to the Atlanta Falcons. Carolina Panthers will see him a couple times this season. In terms of cash being paid this season to an NFL running back, he will make the most in terms of cash this season of NFL running backs. That's crazy. Bijan Robinson. Yeah, that's crazy. More than Christian McCaffrey. Now, here's the thing. Right. context yeah. to this, folks. It's not as easy as it sounds. Exactly. So he's not going to make that every single year. So as a first-round draft pick, depending on where you're drafted, you have a guaranteed amount of money on a four-year contract with a fifth-year option that the team chooses to exercise it. But that four-year, that, that money's guaranteed. So the it's up to the agent and the team to figure out, okay, What's considered signing bonus? How are you gonna? When is that all gonna be paid out? All that kind of stuff. So, the payments are front loaded to the front part of the contract. Hence, why he's gonna get paid with his signing bonus and his and his salary. He's gonna get paid fourteen million dollars in cash this season. So yes, that actually in terms of per <laughs> cash that makes right. him the highest paid this year. Now, for example, when Christian McCaffrey signed his big contract back with the Carolina Panthers a few years ago. That was very front-loaded, too. So he got a lot of money early yeah, on. Yeah, we've seen these huge signing bonuses and then low average, you know, low salaries per year um, to, to help clean up the cap. Uh, uh, we talked about last segment about the ACC uh, signing some games away to, to the CW as opposed to Bally's. And just looking it up, CW available on ATT Universe, yeah. CenturyLink, Char- uh, Spectrum, DirecTV Local, YouTube. Um, yeah. So over the air, if, yeah. you, if you have, you know, just over the air. So uh, these games will indeed be much more widely available to fans. Now, again, we're talking one football game a week, usually the worst football game of the week. Yeah, it's usually. But NC State VMI is probably going to be the worst football game that week. Yeah. And if you can't get into Carter-Finley or you don't want to go to Carter-Finley, you will be able to watch that game on the CW. Now, something that you people can watch on the CW, I don't. That's Live Golf. Uh, so I know part of the discussion going on right now amongst in, in Congress and things along those lines in terms of antitrust when it comes to this PGA Live merger partnership thing that we still don't really actually fully know what this is going to look like. I watched in the those future. hearings. Yeah, how was it? <laughs> I can't believe you did. I actually, I can't believe you. Yeah, did. I you know I used to cover Congress, and so yeah. what, what all what I love about those hearings is people who don't normally watch Congress or watch how Congress yeah. operates, and who know you know in this case golf experts mm-hmm. were watching the you know it's part of their job. They're watching. They're like, is Congress always like this? Are they always grandstanding? Do they never make a point? Or is it all just for show? And those of us who have covered Congress or are currently covering Congress can tell them, yes, yes, it's always like this. It's always grandstanding. Uh, there, no real work happens in these big televised hearings. They are all for show. They are all to get your sound bites. And so we didn't learn. A, we didn't learn a whole lot because the questions weren't very good, frankly. 
No, we didn't really get to know a whole lot coming out of this. So I don't know necessarily what, but again, the, the PGA, I know a lot of people that love golf around here. And I'm me, I'm, I'm as casual as a golf fan as it gets. I, I, I don't, I don't make time to watch live tour, whatever. I really don't even make time to watch PGA stuff. <laughs> I just don't. It's just not, it's just not my app. It's just sure. not my, not for me. I'll tune in casually to majors. I know the open, the British open, the open is uh, coming up next week. I'll, ch- I'll check it out because I'll follow along to see what some of the big names are doing. But I know Rory McIlroy, who has been the flag bearer for the PGA Tour and has been open about his thoughts about Live Tour, about the guys who jumped ship from the PGA to Live. He said, you know what? I'd much rather retire <laughs> than play at Live. He's like, you know what? I'd much rather not even pick up a club than go play over there. And this, the context to this is, the so the PGA and the, the, the PIF, the investment fund there in Saudi Arabia have been talking the private about inv- or the public investment. Yeah, fund. have been talking about you know some sort of merger and and how they combine live with the PGA Tour and who's in charge and all that. And so they've been sending kind of proposals back and forth. Now, one thing Congress is very good at is getting paper. So those proposals became public because Congress subpoenaed them and mm-hmm. they got them in the public. And one of the proposals from the PIF from the Saudis to the PGA Tour was. Hey, why don't Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy get a team and live golf, and they can be co-owners? They can be owners of their own teams, mm-hmm. which, in theory, part of this business model is those those teams are going to eventually become worth billions of dollars, like other franchises are. And so that Rory and Tiger would each get their own team, they would own half of it, and they could play live golf. They could create their own team and have one of these teams on the live. The PGA Tour rejected that proposal. And, and that's the context to, to Rory getting asked about, what do you have any interest in going to live and, and owning one of these teams? In theory, that's how the live was going to make it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you got a Japanese team, right, that Hideki Matsuyama owned and then was able to get four Japanese players on it, and you got a couple of Australian teams, and you had a, a good American team, and you had a a, Swi- uh, a Spanish team, and you and you sort of – put these teams together and, and kind of made them franchises and they were able to sell, you know, if you're Matsuyama and you could sell sponsorship to the Japanese team and live yeah. to some big business in Japan. Like you could, you start to understand how this franchise model could work. And certainly having Tiger own a team and Rory McIlroy own a team would yeah. be the fastest way to get those teams built up. Those franchises built up. Doesn't sound like it's going to happen, but, th- but that's the context to it. And, now the problem that, that the PGA Tour has, if you watch that hearing, they basically said, we cannot afford to keep fighting live. They have an endless supply of money yeah. in the PIF. It's that, that private uh, public investment fund is worth over $600 billion. Right, and they're like, we simply can't keep fighting them. We can't, we can't afford the court fees. We can't afford the prize money that we have to keep increasing our purses. And we can't afford this fight for players. Like, eventually we're going to run out of money, and they're not going to run out of money, and we're going to lose. And so they told Congress, like, that's why we made this deal. We Mm -hmm. had to do something to end this, and we'd rather have that money supporting the PGA Tour than than lose the battle and let the Saudis control it. Some people in Congress bought it. Some people didn't buy it. Now they've got to get the Department of Justice to buy it and say, yeah. hey, we t- we told you that this was anti-competitive and antitrust, but now it's okay if, if we're merging with them. And they have dropped, quietly dropped, the New York Times reported this today, 
as part of that agreement, that framework, they said, hey, we'll stop recruiting your players. You stop recruiting our players. We'll make a little truce. Well, the Department of Justice said, well, that's pretty anti-competitive. We might have to get rid of that. Yeah. So quietly, they've dropped that out. Now the hmm. now the Live Tour can actively recruit players again if they want. Maybe they decide not to because they're you know out of goodwill. That handshake agreement. Right, but they're certainly no more part of that arrangement anymore. If they want to go make a big money offer to Matsuyama or to John Rahm or to Rory McIlroy, uh, they're, they're free to do it.